Hi, this is Andrew Kreisberg, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. A DC TV character will be coming out. Kevin Smith's episode title is revealed. And we shine a spotlight on Snapper Carr. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And I'm Maureen Glennon. And for this episode, we are going to shine a character spotlight on Snapper Carr. But first, let's get to... The news. According to TVLine.com, a significant character on either Supergirl or The Flash will come out. Greg Berlanti was quoted as saying, we had a character who, who we had discussed as a possibility last year internally, and it didn't materialize. We didn't get to the story. We just didn't have enough real estate to deal with it in the way that we wanted to deal with it. So when we were planning this season, we said to the network in the studio that it was a priority for us, and everyone was cool with it. And obviously, because the character hadn't been gay, we hadn't necessarily discussed it with the actor. And that cast member, Berlanti noted, was on board with the change. Uh, So what do you all think about this? Uh, Carly, what are your thoughts? I'm intrigued. Um, Well, A, I appreciate the fact that they're basically saying they didn't really have the time to dedicate to it last season, whichever character this is. We still don't know at this point. Um, So I appreciate that they recognize the fact that they weren't really going to have enough significant story time to dedicate to kind of an important, you know, it's an important, I think an important plot line for a character. And I don't know um, if you, if you read the rest of what he said, um, but basically he talks about how they want to devote a lot of time to it and the journey and how the character kind of comes to grips with it. Cause it sounds like it's going to might be kind of a revelation so there's definitely a lot of speculation going on with who it is. I wrote about it for the Mary Sue last weekend, and um, it seems like, well, at TV Line, they were speculating that it might be Win, but a lot of people in the comments at the Mary Sue uh, were hypothesizing that it was Alex. So we'll see, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting, just because, like, I mean, I kind of posited the theory that we haven't really seen a lot of Alex's personal life in terms of last season. She kind of had a little bit of a thing with Maxwell Lord, but it also seemed like maybe he might have been more into her than she was into him. (laughs) Um, So who knows? I mean, and also, you know, just because a character comes out doesn't necessarily mean that they're gay. I mean, it could be somebody who's bisexual. You don't know. So it's, you know, it could it could be something where we've seen a character in a past relationship with, you know, one person and then they, you know, they decide to pursue a relationship with a different person. So, right. I'm excited no matter what, because I think it sounds like they're going to be very thoughtful about it. And that's important. I think it's, it's a good sign that they said that, you know, they had the story in mind and they didn't get to it last season, as opposed to them being like, we decided to do this thing. Uh, So it was obviously always in their conception of the character which I think is good, uh, rather than them like throwing it in at the last minute. Right. You don't want them to shoehorn in like the token gay character. Yes, I mean, exactly. Like yeah. I think the representation is so important, but I also think it's it, it's always best when it's thoughtful and makes sense, rather than them being like, "Oh, wait, did we forget?" Yeah, that's the thing that bothers me about not necessarily something like this, but just in storytelling in general. Like if you do something out of the blue, you don't set it up, you don't uh, execute it well, 
that can really frustrate the audience if if it's something that they weren't expecting. So I think the the, ver- the very fact that they are trying to be really sensitive about this and uh, saying that you know we wanted to do it justice, we wanted to do the right thing by the character and the story. I I really appreciate that because I think. In, in cases like this, especially on television, when you get used to a character and, and then you're introduced to something new about that character, it really helps when you do take the time to help the audience understand what's going on with them and their, their character journey. And I think when it is executed well in the writing and also the performance, I think, makes a big difference with whoever this actor is. And we are talking a lot about Supergirl actors, but there is a possibility it could be on The Flash. We don't know. Initially, mm-hmm. initially, I read DC TV character, and then it got narrowed down to Supergirl or The Flash, and we're talking about it in terms of Supergirl, but we nobody really knows at this point. But um, I, I, th- I think my example of how this was executed well on TV for me was on All My Children, because I love soap operas, and um, there was a character named Marissa, and she uh, had been married to J.R. Chandler, who was one of the big characters on the show. And she um, was written in the last year and a half or so to fall in love with Bianca Montgomery, who was Erica Kane's daughter. And that was a big deal because Bianca Montgomery, she's like the princess of misery. She's one of my all-time favorite characters. And so that took a, a little bit of an adjustment for the audience to kind of get used to the way Marissa was being portrayed when it was changed but I think it really helped because the story was written really well it was good for both of those characters the actors did a really good job so I think that makes such a big difference when you're going from one aspect of a character to another you have to be able to play that in a way that makes sense to the audience so I think that's going to be the real big key so I I don't you know I don't care if something gets changed about a character as long as it's done well. That's that's my all that's always my big thing is like is the story well told? So um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I you know I don't have any real guesses. I try not to guess about these things because I don't like spoilers. Um, but I think uh, it's it's something that could be interesting for season two. Yeah, and if I was gonna guess, I'd say I would also probably say Alex just because we don't know all that much about her personal life. It's not like um, with Kara where we've seen her like dating around. But I think that probably the reason we've been like focusing on Supergirl, besides the fact that we're a Supergirl podcast, is that (laughs) they sort of talk about how it was always in their conception for the character, but they didn't get a a chance to really explore it last season. And I feel like because the Flash has been on a couple of seasons, there's only a few characters that that could work with on The Flash, where it'd be like, oh, we didn't get to it last season. Like, if it was Cisco, like, you would be like, you've had three seasons to it, to get to it, you know? (laughs) So... Uh, I think I think with uh, on the Flash you've got maybe like two or three characters that that could be. Whereas yeah. on Supergirl, there's a lot more characters it could be because it, it's it's a much newer show and there's a I, I buy the uh, explanation of we didn't have the time when it's like a one season show. Yeah, and especially with Supergirl, they only had 20 episodes, whereas the Flash had I think 23. So it's like you don't have an excuse, the Flash. You have plenty of time. Um, but yeah, so I think the likely candidate that it w- we will see a change for someone in season two of Supergirl. And I think Alex is probably a good guess, too, just because there is the Maggie Sawyer component um, where she's coming in for season two. And the fact that she's going to be, I think, part of the science police, she could yeah. maybe have interactions Ooh. with Alex. Um, because I, I hadn't even considered that. I, I assume that the science police and Maggie Sawyer will have dealings with the DEO. I don't know for, I mean, that's just a guess, but I think that's a, a likely thing that could happen that they would have interactions together. So, um, I don't know if that will come into play for that kind of change for Alex's character, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Here for it. <laughs> It's all it's all on how they do it and how it's performed and um sure. and with Supergirl I think uh we'll we'll be getting some good stuff cuz I everything I've heard out of season 2 sounds pretty good so far except when we hear too much too much too much <laughs> I, I could I could hear a little less 
So we already knew that Kevin Smith was going to direct an episode of Supergirl season two. But now, according to CryptonSite.com, we know that the episode will be titled Supergirl Lives. And I don't know if y'all made the connection that I did, but Kevin Smith is uh, very famous in a way of having written a script for a movie called Superman Lives that never got made. And he tells great stories about it, about his time dealing with John Peters and (laughs) movie executives and rewrites and things like that. Um, So I think it's very fitting that his episode would be called Supergirl Lives. But what I was going to ask you all is why do you think it's going to be called Supergirl Lives other than the Kevin Smith connection? I mean, is Supergirl going to die? Like, why is she living? Why is that so important? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it's or maybe it's something where she has to. I don't know go into hiding for a while and then they think that she's dead Maybe. i don't know or she or she's incapacitated somehow and then and then comes back but like national city thinks that she died mm. yeah. or they have to fake her death or they have to fake her death for some reason or or i guess maybe she could just quit <laughs> maybe Supergirl has to take a, a vacation. I don't know. Um, maybe, she, maybe she's like, I need some PTO days, DEO. I need to get out of here. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that's really interesting because I don't think it's going to be because Supergirl needs a sabbatical because we kind of saw that in season one when she lost her, her powers. So I don't know that. So she might have some physical harm coming her way. Uh, so that, that will be a good shakeup for Kara. Supergirl Rebirth number one was released on August 17th. So if you're interested in checking it out, make sure to pick it up from your local comic store or on digital platforms, technology, Amazon, Apple iBooks, Barnes and Noble and Google books. I'm excited about this. It's a, it's a new uh, monthly Supergirl book uh, along with all the other rebirth uh, series that have come out that have been so great. So um, I think we'll try to do a little supplemental series like we did with adventures of supergirl because this series um this supergirl rebirth series actually has a lot of ties to the show on the cw it features national city it has the deo it has cameron chase who we saw in one episode of season one it has jeremiah and eliza danvers and it even has some kryptonian that needs to be some kryptonese that needs to be translated that was like oh (laughs) my old friend you thought you were done. <laughs> that like own. Hello Darkness, my old friend plays over. <laughs> and there was one panel I saw it and I was like, oh, there is a lot. Like it was, it was like a paragraph. I was like, what? What do you need to say that's so important that you have to say all of this in Kryptonese? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so I guess I'll have to translate it to find out what they said. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that connects to the CW show as, as we know it. And it also has, the first issue has art that's actually drawn by Emanuela Lupacino, who we recognize from Adventures of Supergirl number six and seven. And she drew all of those like crazy dreams that Kara had where Psy was kind of creating these dreams and, um, you know, the, the crazy stuff like the D.O. zombies and the the battle cat looking creature <laughs> from Masters oh of the Universe. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so it's worth a read if you uh, want to read a new Supergirl comic. And for our last bit of news, according to the official LEGO Dimensions Twitter account, LEGO Dimensions starter packs for the Sony PlayStation 4, or the PS4 as the kids call it, will include an exclusive bonus DC Comics Supergirl LEGO minifigure for a limited time starting in September 2016. Um, And don't worry if you already have the starter pack. The LEGO Dimension people say that Supergirl will be available as a hire a hero option Whatever that means. I don't I don't I don't have a PlayStation 4 and so I'm not able to play this game, but people who do, I'm sure understand what that means. Um so that's that's cool. She's she's getting included in, in some of the stuff and it looks really neat. So um if you have a PS4, there you go. You get some Supergirl. Do you all have nice. PS4s? I don't I, do I have an Xbox. I'm the enemy. I have an Xbox. <laughs> I have nothing, so <laughs> I, yeah, I am I am console game console less. Uh, I, I I don't have those those fun toys. 
I we guess, are the wrong people to be talking about this. I know. Yes, clearly, clearly. So <laughs> ignorant about the Lego game. But, you know, pe- people who know about it should probably, you know, it's it's good for them to know. I wish I wish I had a Lego a Supergirl Lego game though. That'd be fun. Well, maybe you should get one. <laughs> no, that's the only thing that's a bummer about. I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, it looks like it's not. That's the problem with some games. Is like they're only available on PS4, and I'm like, but I want to play them. <laughs> I don't want to buy two consoles. I know. <sighs> Got to make Ridiculous. them for all of them. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for our news section, but we have another character spotlight that we're going to be doing for characters that are going to be introduced into the Supergirl world in Season 2. And for this episode, we are going to be focused on Snapper Carr, and we're going to go through his history and learn more about him. So, in the comics, Lucas Snapper Carr was created by Gardner Fox and Mike Sikowski. According to the Justice League Companion by Michael Urey, DC editor Julius Julie Schwartz attributes the creation of a hip junior member of the Justice League to DC executive Whitney Ellsworth. Schwartz was told to pattern the JLA's mascot after Ed Burns' finger-snapping character named Kookie from the TV show 77 Sunset Strip. 77 Sunset Strip. Starring Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. 77 Sunset Strip. Roger Smith. 77 Sunset Strip. Edward Byrne. 77 Sunset Strip. And Richard Long. According to Julie Schwartz, it was Whitney Ellsworth who said the new character's name was to be Snapper Carr. Okay, so I have a question because I was not aware of this at all because I knew very little about Snapper Carr going into this character spotlight. (laughs) Um, I knew (laughs) that he was like a Justice League mascot and I knew that he had done some like exposition reporting on the DCAU shows. So I was not aware of, and I I grew up on Nick at Night. I thought I knew everything about classic TV and I had never heard of 77 Sunset's Trip. Were you all familiar with this TV show? Me neither. I had never heard of it. And then you sent us, I think last night, a clip of it. And I watched it. And it was like it was in a different language. <laughs> like, like I had never considered how different, like, the slang was back then. Hi, Dad. Man, I dig how you had yourself a rumble with that Dixon Square this a.m. There's not much you don't dig. Way I dig it. You dribbled out of your place looking real bombed out like traumatized. You'd had it, Dad. Do I always have to bring you on? Well, he asked for it. Did you hear about it? I'm hip. He'd tell how you came on sounding real harshly. All that giant about you cutting into bacon strips and noise like that. That was this morning. This afternoon, I'm filled with love for my fellow man. Shaboom. I was dribbling in when you cut out with some real mellow chick. The mellowest. Okay, Dad, you sound me. What's her name? That's a funny thing. I don't know. You putting me on, or is that for real? No, it's for real. I think. And another cool cat bit the dust. If you hadn't showed me that and told me that, it, like, and hadn't told me that it was from that time period, I would think that it was someone making fun of that time period. <laughs> like, there was just too, there was so much slang. It was like, Daddyo, are you like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, can you dig it? I was like, what, what are you saying? <laughs> I, I still, I've watched that clip maybe three or four times now, and I still don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I was like, is that that man's actual father? Like, that's what I was like. It's like, is that his real dad, or is he just being weird? <laughs> well, I think I read that he called people, like, a lot of people dad. Like, that would be, like, something he called everybody. Um, but, yeah, so 77 Sunset Strip was totally new to me. And apparently it ran for a long time, and it was really popular. And I had never heard about it until this character spotlight. So now I'm going to have to go watch it. Um, But apparently the kooky character that Ed Burns played, who is the inspiration for Snapper Carr, he was hugely popular in the first season. (laughs) That character, you didn't understand what he was saying? People (laughs) loved him. He would get 15,000 pieces of mail, fan mail, weekly. Every week he would get 15,000 pieces of mail. And this is back in the days before internet. This is when, you know, 
they had to physically bring your, I mean, they still do that, but I mean, this is the only way they could get fan mail to these people. And that is astounding. Um, he was hugely popular and, um, he was an attractive guy, but he did, he did talk in that kind of jive talk. It sort of reminded me of the, the jive talking from airplane, uh, the movie airplane. And I, I was just like, I'm, I'm sure someone understands what this means. Um, but yeah, so that, <laughs> that was really interesting to know that he was, based off of a TV character and trying, he, they were trying to capitalize on how popular Kooky was because Kooky, apparently, this guy I'd never heard of, Kooky was a star in music too. He had a, a, a hit a hit selling, uh, what am I trying to say? He had a hit record on the music charts and he was popular on the TV show and he was super attractive, so all the you know the teenage girls probably went mad for him. And so they were. I think DC Comics was trying to capitalize on this pop culture thing that was going on with the youth, and that's why they wanted to uh, create a character based off of Ed Burns and and Kooky. I just like his bio, like his <laughs> the bio that you have in this document. Even <laughs> it's like half written in that kind of slang. It's like tune in, Daddy O. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it was a different world then. They, I mean, probably people from the 1950s, if they traveled through time to come to our our present day, they would have no idea what we were saying either. So uh, they'd be like, "What are you talking about? Like woke bays? What does that even mean?" (laughs) (laughs) They're like, "Listen, Daddyo, I don't dig it. (laughs) (laughs) I do not dig this." Uh, Yeah, so it's an interesting point in history. Um, the character was originally known as Snapper because he would snap his fingers when he got excited or was trying to make a point. It wasn't until the late 1970s that writer Jack C. Harris revealed that Lucas was Snapper's first name. Star Wars fans might like to know that the Lucas part of the name is an homage to Star Wars creator George Lucas. Yeah, so cool. that's interesting, too. I guess, you know, since Star Wars was hugely popular, they were like, hey, let's get on board this train <laughs> and and <laughs> and add the Lucas to his name. Um, and, I, I, you know, for a long time, nobody knew what Snapper's first name is. It sort of reminds me of uh, Cosmo Kramer on Seinfeld. But, yeah, so in terms of the actual time when this re- was revealed, when I was doing my Internet research, I had conflicting reports from different sites. So... One source said that the reveal of his name being Lucas was from the Superman family number 188, which was in 1978. And the other source I read says that it was in Superman family number 195 from 1979. So I don't have the actual issues to be able to look at them. So I'm having to trust the Internet, which makes me nervous. (laughs) But um, either way, I mean, it's the late 1970s, so it does make sense that they would have named him after George Lucas because Star Wars, of course, came out in the late 1970s. So that timeline all lines up. 1977. Yep. I'm a Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars nerd. I know these. (laughs) (laughs) At least the first movie was out by then. Yes. Yes. Well, and Snapper Carr's first appearance was in The Brave and the Bold number 28, and that was released in December 1959, but had the cover date of February to March 1960. So it was, you know, a decade, almost two decades, until they were like, hey, he should maybe have a real first name. Um, (laughs) So, uh, and even though we're talking about The Brave and the Bold number 28 because it was Snapper Carr's first appearance, it's also probably more well-known as being the first appearance of the Justice League of America. And in this issue, we learn that Snapper lives in Happy Harbor, Rhode Island, which is a fictional town in in DC Comics. It's not a real real place. You can't (laughs) find it on a U.S. map. And uh, we find out that he becomes an honorary member of the Justice League of America and that he is given a belt buckle signal device, sort of like Jimmy Olsen's signal watch a little bit, um, that Snapper can use when he wants to contact the JLA. Um, since he is an honorary member of the league. And uh, the funny thing about this in terms of Supergirl Radio is that this is now the second mention I'm going to mention of Starro, <laughs> because in our <laughs> Lena Luthor character spotlight, we talked about Star- the, the, the character, the villain, the creature known as Starro, because Starro appears in the Robot Chicken DC comic special that features Lena Luthor. And in, uh, in this 
issue of the first appearance of Snapper Carr, Starro is the villain that the JLA has to def- to defeat. So um, Starro is becoming a recurring character on Supergirl Radio um, <laughs> unintentionally, which is the funny part. Um, and the also the tie to Starro with Snapper Carr is that in Our Man number one, Snapper, uh, it's revealed that Snapper has a pet cat that he named Starro. So uh, it's a very strange thing to name your cat after the, you know, the first big villain you have to face. But that is what he did. <laughs> um, and as an honorary member of the League, Snapper would serve on monitor duty. He would handle the JLA's fan mail. And he was also depicted as a mechanic as well as a journalist reporting on the League's activities. And to make it super convenient for him, the JLA even customized Snapper's hot rod so he could fly to meetings. <laughs> and, and Snapper drove a hot rod because guess what? Kooky uh, drove a hot rod on 77 Sunset Strip. So, um, and there's also another tie to uh, the character of Kooky because um, Kooky also had a little bit of mechanic experience and that was something that they put into Snapper's character as well so uh a very interesting first issue um and a notable issue for snapper car snapper car that they called a young hipster i'm looking at these panels and cracking up by the way <laughs> my favorite panel is like he's on the he's like seeding the grass or something and he's like this grass mat is the coolest will you wait till daddy oh it's like and he's snap what is happening here yeah and he he says well, wait till uh, Daddy-O casts his orbs on it. And I guess he's talking about somebody's eyes. Like, sees it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I thought that that was, like, some sort of superhero thing. <laughs> like, like one of the, 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 the heroes come by and, like, I don't know, grow the grass for him. I, there's a lot of obscure heroes, so it's possible that yeah. there's somebody out there who could grow that grass. <laughs> yeah. he uh, in, in the first issue that he's in, he's, like, dealing with his yard. And I, I guess, I guess, I guess that's what they used to do back in the day when they would do their yard work. They had some turf builder, um, lime and sodium chlorate. I don't, I don't know anybody that oh, uses God. that stuff on their yard now. Um, but he, that's kind of what comes into play and in how they defeat Starro. So the, the Justice League <laughs> of America, nobody can stop Starro, this big starfish. Wonder Woman and Martian Manhunter try to go stop him. Green Lantern tries to stop him. Everybody is trying to stop Starro. Nobody can do it. But Snapper Carr has the answer to how they defeat Starro. Um, his grass. Yeah, his grass and his yard work uh, come into play. And that's what... Um, what saves the day is the lime that he uses on his lawn. Um. My, my other favorite part is like when they're giving him the, uh, the like justice league, um, the honorary member thing. And he's like, what do you say snapper? And he just snaps and he goes, my fingers are saying it for me. Flash. <laughs> like to be a part of like the like snapper car in in supergirl is like people when he hears a good idea maybe he just snaps at people like and they're like what should i go with that or should i not go with that and he's like my fingers are saying it for me well you know if he doesn't if the if the snapper on supergirl does not snap his fingers at all i'm gonna be like why even bother why It'd be funny if they did it as, like, something that he does when he's absently working or thinking about something. He just kind of, like, absently snaps his fingers, and then you can, and then it's never, like, no one ever really acknowledges it. It's just kind of like a subtle little wink at the character. I think that'd be funny. <laughs> or he could do it when he is bossing people around, you know, like, right. go get that job done or whatever. So I, I think they could work it in and it and it be fitting for his character and the portrayal in live action. Um, but yeah, so Snapper does a lot of times when you will see him in panels, he will be snapping and it will, a lot of times we'll have the word snap, uh, written down so that you can tell, I mean, it's kind of visually like you can kind of tell he's snapping, even if they didn't have the word there, but they, they put it there just in case you can't make out what he's doing. Gotta have that onomatopoeia. Yeah. Gotta have it in there. (laughs) Uh, as far as family goes, Snapper has a little brother named Jimmy, a sister named Janet, and an uncle named Simon, who acted as a representative for Oliver Queen because Oliver was secretly funding the Justice League. In Our Man Number 1, Snapper says that he has a brother nicknamed Spittercar, who is appropriately <laughs> nicknamed for his habit of spitting. 
though it's not clear if Spitter and Jimmy are the same person. I love this. I, I love <laughs> I love that there's two members of his family. One is named Snapper, one is named Spitter. I want to know I want to know if his sister Janet had a nickname. What was Uncle Simon's nickname? I want to know those are those are my questions about Snapper's family. Um, because they <laughs> Spitter is not very flattering. <laughs> no, no. I feel like I feel like Spitter is the black sheep of the Carr family. <laughs> like one's like like Whistler or something. <laughs> yeah. And Spitter is just like, and that's Spitter. We don't talk about him. <laughs> Janet was probably like, "You are not giving me a nickname." <laughs> <laughs> and I, and that's it's like the Hamilton thing. And Peggy, I'm like, and right. Janet, <laughs> and Janet, Snapper, Spitter, <laughs> or maybe she's like Janet. Quote, no nickname, Carr. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Janet. Janet, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, as far as romantic entanglements go, Snapper had a girlfriend named Midge. Uh, has been involved with one with a Wonder Woman villain, Cheetah, and married and later divorced a woman named Bethany Lee, who is the daughter of the Happy Harbor Chief of Police. Yeah, so uh, Snapper's had some love relationships. Um, the cheetah thing is a little disturbing. Um, <laughs> I, I, when I first found out about this, uh, just inside baseball, I shared it with Carly and Morgan, and I felt like I needed to bleach my eyeballs. Um, it was very, very <laughs> not necessarily disturbing. It was just one of those things where it was like hard for me to believe that cheetah would would be involved with Snapper Car, but it indeed happens. <laughs> Um, and it's interesting to also note that the, you know, Happy Harbor is very much, you know, when, when you hear, ha- when I hear Happy Harbor now, I think of Snapper Car because it's very much associated with Snapper. So anytime you hear Happy Harbor, you might associate uh, that with his character. And unfortunately, at some point in his history, due to his unpopularity, I mean, imagine this, Snapper Car became unpopular. I can't imagine <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, but due to his unpopularity, Denny O'Neill wrote Snapper out of the Justice League of America in a story called Snapper Car Super Trader from Whoa. Justice League. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Not even regular trader. He's a super trader. So, well, when you hear the story, you'll know why. Um, and this story was from Justice League of America number 77, and that was from December 1st, 1969. In this issue, uh, from what I could gather by the descriptions, uh, because I could not dig it up, um, in this issue, Snapper, along with a man, and I'm not kidding, I'm not lying about this, his name is John Doe, and it's spelled (laughs) D-O-U-G-H, and he's referred to, John Doe is referred to as, quote, the most average man in America, unquote, and um, John Doe, the guy that Snapper is, you know, kind of teaming up with in this issue, he is later revealed to be the Joker. So Snapper is actually working with the Joker in this issue. And they are, and it's, in, in all fairness to Snapper, Snapper didn't know it was the Joker. He just thought this guy was his friend, John Doe. Um, the most, he just thought it was the most average man in America. Well, well sure. I mean, isn't that who yeah. Snapper Carr would be friends with? I, I feel like they it would seems be like friends. It. Yeah. <laughs> so Snapper and John Doe uh, use snapper's emergency signal that he got from the justice league to draw out batman and the atom and and draws them into a trap so they can hold an anti-superhero rally um which is i guess a thing you do when you're snapper car um green arrow eventually captures snapper and snapper confesses that he did what he did because he felt like the justice league of america was overshadowing him as a person And he resigns from the Justice League of America. So Snapper felt like he wasn't getting the credit he deserved as a member of the Justice League. He felt like the superheroes were overshadowing um, his greatness. And so he he unknowingly teamed up with the Joker and betrayed the Justice League. And I'm actually really wanting to read this issue because even though it sounds really silly... And, uh, you know, just from the description and kind of, you know, a a summary of it, it actually sounds like it would be a good read because it would deal with, you know, the need for superheroes and does, you know, is there a need for superheroes? Are are superheroes a good thing or a bad thing? So I think that and the Joker twist, I think, is a good, you know, spoiler alert. There's a there's a twist with the Joker in there. So I think it would actually be a good read. So I'm, I'm actually hoping to track this one down. 
1977, Snapper Carr falls on hard times. Aww. <laughs> He's unable to get into college or get a job due to his betrayal of the Justice League. Dang. How old was Snapper Carr? Like, I'm looking at these, like, like the drawings of him. I thought he was, like, a middle-aged man, like, seeding his lawn. Yeah. He's, like, a teenager? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think in that, that first appearance, he's supposed to be, uh, he's supposed to be that young hipster. And, um, you know, how com- comic time frames are not always, you know, the, the best. They're not always accurate. Snapper could have been a teenager for a decade. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think in that first issue, he's supposed to be a, a, a kid in high school. Okay, so because of his inability to get into college or get a job, Snapper turns to a life of crime when a bad guy known as the Key offers to help him out. And that's why Snapper Carr becomes the supervillain character called the Star Czar. No. I'm <laughs> um, not Snapper. Uh, uh, Snapper, this, don't do it. This, this is this is when my research about Snapper Carr took a an upward trend because he goes from from my understanding, he goes from Justice League sidekick, honorary member of the Justice League, to supervillain. And that <laughs> that made me so excited. <laughs> Uh, I, I got really intrigued by that. And so now my, my level of interest in Snapper Car has dramatic, you know, dramatically risen. Um, but it's, it's interesting because he, he is kind of a villain to the Justice League at this point. And he, uh, has an interesting costume, has a star on his costume. So that, I guess that's why he's the stars are, but yeah, he becomes super villain. Instead of taking Snapper to jail after the whole Star Czar situation, Superman helps Snapper find work at Star Labs in the Superman Family comic book, which ran from 1978 to 1982. I think that's very nice of him. You know, he just turned to that life of crime because he couldn't find a job. Right. So yeah, now he's it. got a job. I'm sure everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll, and he'll, we never heard from Snapper Car again. <laughs> he'll turn from his villainous ways because he's he's gotten he's gotten a steady paycheck. Um, but he's, do, get, he's got a 401k now. You know, he's got, <laughs> he can't risk that. <laughs> who need, who needs crime when you got a 401k? Um, but yeah, so I think it's interesting that Snapper has ties to. Not only does he, he's friends with the Flash in his first appearance in The Brave and the Bold, and uh, Superman helps him find a job at Star Labs, so there's a Star Labs connection. So I'm just like, when I was going through all this history, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe they could do something with that on the show, like have some of his history be tied to Star Labs, the Flash, or something. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be a journalist, but uh, it is interesting to know that he does have these, like, other traits to the character in his history that he's a mechanic that he ha- you know has a science background all that kind of stuff so that that kind of stuff is very intriguing and snapper also appeared in a supergirl story called candor versus supergirl um he was a witness at the trial of supergirl uh, in which in this this is kind of the summary of what the trial was that a character named shyla accuses supergirl of illegal seizure and false imprisonment in the Phantom Zone, which is a big deal, <laughs> as well as breaking Lex Luthor out of jail and helping him commit armored car robbery, which is even a worse deal. <laughs> but uh, Snapper helped defend Supergirl by gathering letters of recommendation from Justice League members and was hired as an assistant by Supergirl's foster father, Fred Danvers. So sometimes even those Snapper, you know, has his supervillain ways, sometimes he does try to help out and do some good things. So there's a, that dichotomy to his character. Feeling so conflicted right now. I know. I know. <laughs> he keeps going back Snapper, and forth. What are you I'm doing like, to us? <laughs> how do I feel about you? Uh, in a three issue limited series titled Invasion, Snapper is put through metahuman experiments and develops the ability to teleport anytime he snaps his fingers. In this series, Snapper is a member of the superhero team called the Blasters. Is this not the greatest thing ever? Like, am I the only one who is like Snapper Carr is the greatest DC Comics character in the history of the world? Well, I feel like I've been waiting this entire time for when he gets some ability connected <laughs> to his snapping. I'm like, and then and I, I felt like it was going to happen when he became a supervillain. But then he became a supervillain called Starzar. Like, Snapper, stay in your wheelhouse. Just snap. <laughs> 
<laughs> do what you're good at. So yes, do what you were born for. <laughs> yeah. So he does develop this ability to teleport, which is weird. That seems like you wouldn't have a teleportation be connected to snapping of fingers, but that's what they chose to do. So anytime he snaps his fingers, he can transport himself. Um, but uh, his association with the Blasters is important for Snapper's character. He's the leader of the Blasters. So, um, you know, I guess if you are going to nominate somebody to be the leader, why not have it be Snapper Carr? Uh, um, and there was a little note that I thought was interesting for us because we are familiar with this character. Um, during some of this time when he has super abilities, uh, Snapper actually loses his teleportation uh, powers and his <laughs> clearly his snapping abilities went th- with that because his hands get cut off. And, oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so his hands horrifying. Sorry. <laughs> so so his hands get cut off. He can't teleport anymore. He can't snap <laughs> his fingers. And so that, that is a huge loss to snap. It's, connected, it's like connected to his identity. I know. How is this? Oh, man. Both uh, of them, too? That's rough. Yeah, he loses it all. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it gets dark. It gets so dark. I snapper. <laughs> but the good news is that a character that we, that we know, real docs, Give Snapper new hands, so it's all good. Are they like tech hands, or are they like his normal hands? I think they're. Does just... does he lose his powers forever now because he's got like like second generation hands? <laughs> he's got he's got borrowed hands. Um, I think the <laughs> I think the thing is Snapper two point <laughs> Yeah, he's been rebooted. Um, I think what what I read was that he. And listeners, if, you, if you're like a snapper car aficionado, feel free to correct me. But I think he, when he gets his new, when he gets his new hands, he, I shouldn't laugh at that. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> it, well, it's, it's kind of like you, like, well, how else? It's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm still overwhelmed by that plot line. <laughs> it came, it came, it came uh, fast and furious. Um, Ooh, okay. But so I think he gets, he gets hands back and he gets his ability to snap back. But he loses his teleportation. Aww. I think I think he loses his his super mm. ability. Bummer. Yeah, roller coaster of emotions for Snapper. The photo of the Blasters special issue. I can't tell if he's got gloves on or if maybe they are like mechanical hands. That's they kind of look like they could be like robot hands. <laughs> I was about to say gloves or robot hands. Eternal <laughs> question. <laughs> well, that's a, that is it is a good question because that could be covering up. Um, some human hands, but you you can't see in that cover that he's snapping his fingers. So he he does have his ability to snap, um, and he's he's featured very prominently in the Blaster Special uh, cover. So he's he's the leader of the Blasters. So go you know still, good still snapping away, still snapping. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Snapper has also been associated with Checkmate, which is a government organization that acts through covert operations and uses special agents who are named after chess pieces. Snapper was one of Checkmate's pawns. Yeah. That's rough. That seems like, that doesn't seem like the position you maybe want to be in, in that organization. He, he's a little low level. He's, 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 low, he's a low level employee who gets sent out on a couple of secret missions. Um, but I, th- I think what's interesting that I found out what I learned about this was that Maxwell Lord was the leader of Checkmate and was known as the Black King. So mm. Maxwell Lord was like the big wig of Checkmate. I, d- I didn't know much about Checkmate. I know Checkmate has to do with like the, um, the OMAX storyline that Batman was heavily involved in. And so there's that whole complicated thing. But I thought it was worth noting for us to know that Maxwell Lord was all up in this business. Um, and I, I would love, I mean, Snapper Carr's history, you guys, is so <laughs> crazy. It's so crazy. And I, I know this is probably a big ask from the people at Supergirl. But I kind of think it would be a big disservice to the character if he just sat behind a desk and barked orders at Kara. I would love to see him get involved in some of these shenanigans on the show. Like, you already have Maxwell Lord in your continuity. You have Peter Fashionelli there to play Maxwell Lord. 
use that. I would love it if <laughs> Snapper got involved with some Checkmate stuff and, um, and Maxwell Lord came back into play. So I don't know if that will ever happen, but um, when I was learning about some of this, I was like cooking up storylines in my head. So there's, there's all <laughs> kinds of ways you could use Snapper Car. Maybe they're, they, they kind of do a nod to it. Like, because the whole thing is Snapper Car is this old school, you know, reporter or journalist. And maybe he has a history with Maxwell Lord because he gave them bad press or something, or he oh, wrote, yeah. like he wrote a negative, like takedown piece about, <laughs> about like Maxwell Lord's company. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of interesting. So then like, they don't like each other. That could be something that they could, you know, there is some history about uh, Snapper Car that they could play with. They could play mm-hmm. with the Justice League connection. They could play with the Superman connect. You know, su- you know, Clark might know him. I don't know. Um, although Snapper, I would think, would be a little older than Clark. I think. Well, he uh, could know of him. Yeah. If he's famous, if he's famous enough, I'm sure Clark would know who he is. So, so there's all kinds of things you could you could even play the whole teleportation ability. Um, I don't know if they'll actually cut his uh, his hands off on the show. That might be a little graphic. <laughs> um, but you, you could play up all kinds of his his comic history is so it's so deep and so um, full. It's of like intrigue. a roller coaster. It is. It is. So I I learned a whole lot about going through his his comic history. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, but on television, unfortunately, I kind of found Snapper to be a little boring. After, after reading his history in the comics, I was like, really? So on television, Snapper Carr has enjoyed a lot of screen time in animation. He is a recurring character on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And this version of Snapper in the DCAU is a TV news reporter. And his main purpose every time you see him is just to give exposition on what's happening in the episode. So he's really just, he's literally there as a reporter who's reporting what is happening. And he is voiced by actor Jason Marsden. So he's basically like the Perd Hapley of the animated Justice League. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, he, thing about, the thing about this episode is that things are happening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then he snaps. And then he snaps. <laughs> That's the end of the And then he snaps with his robot hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what Perd Hapley was missing on Parks and Rec, I think. The robot hand. Robot hand. Well, he might might have one. (laughs) He might have one, and we just don't know it. He could. Uh, On Young Justice, a character named Lucas Carr. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Snapper's Snapper's real name that we never see used. Uh, Lucas Carr is a recurring character and is voiced by... Greg Weissman. Lucas is a high school teacher at Happy Harbor High School who chaperones the Halloween dance and helps the Justice League. And he and you can't see the photo, listeners, but trust me when I say he has an epic soul patch. <laughs> oh man. He is he is he is committed to that. <laughs> he is committed to that soul patch. Well, and what I think is great about his visual look on Young Justice is that he sort of looks like that young hipster that Snapper was originally created to be. <laughs> yeah, sort of he that, does. Sort of that daddy-o kind of looking guy. He, he, I mean, he, he's, he's very attractive for an animated character, but he does, <laughs> he, he does look like a young hipster. Um, so yep. I think that's what's great about he's got, him. He's got the look. soul patch. He's got like some sort of weird haircut that's like somewhat of a mullet. Like there's definitely a party in back. <laughs> yeah, he, he, and he's sort of maybe like partially emo. You know he's like the cool chap, like the cool teacher. Yeah, he's he's the young guy yes. who they can kind of relate to. He sort of mentors yeah. them. Um, and what I think is really cool about the Young Justice animated series is that Snapper is also in the Young Justice comics, so he has that tie to the animated show through the comics, and so uh, he can kind of relate to the characters that are, you know, whatever they're dealing with in what whatever episode it is. Uh, and here's what we know um, so far about Snapper Carr, who will be played by Ian Gomez in Supergirl Season 2. His first character description from TV... .com describes Snapper as a veteran journalist appointed by Cat to remake the news division by going old school. And in his second character description um, from EW.com, Snapper is described as a headstrong, sharp-witted newsman hired by Cat Grant to be editor-in-chief of Catco Magazine. 
Snapper's commitment to hard-hitting journalism pushes catcall reporters to dig deeper in the pursuit of excellence. He's a man who tells people what he thinks of them, and his no-holds-barred approach pushes Kara in unexpected ways. Yeah, so it it sounds like he's going to be mostly a journalist who is working at CatCo, and uh, we should note that Ian Gomez will be the first actor to actually portray Snapper in live action. We've had some animated versions. We, of course, have him in the comics, but this will be the first live action attempt at Snapper. That's fun. I, I feel like now, knowing all of this backstory, I I, I just want so much from Snapper. I just, <laughs> I want the roller coaster. I want that rush. (laughs) Yeah, I was very surprised when I started digging into his stuff that there was so much of it. Snapper appears in a lot of of different comics and a lot of different issues, a lot of different uh, series of comics. He has associations with multiple members of the Justice League. He has times where he is a friend of the Justice League and a time where he has betrayed them and become a supervillain. And he goes off on his own to have his own team, um, that he's part of a secret government agency. Like, there's a lot of different variations of Snapper that could be played with. And so I, I hope that the show takes advantage of some of those things because I'm not going to lie. When I saw that he was a supervillain, I was like, if I was a showrunner, that's, that's the road I would go down. <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I would go down that way. Although I was, I, I think Morgan, we talked about this after San Diego Comic-Con that Sarah Schechter sort of likened him to Lou Grant, who was uh, Mary Tyler Moore's boss. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. I think that could be a, a a fun dynamic. He could bring some of that comedy to the Catco scenes that will, you know, be needed for comic relief. And Catco is kind of a, light, a more lighthearted place anyway. But I, I, I just think that there's so much more that you can mine out of his character, especially from his history in the comics. So I hope they take advantage of that. And they probably can't do it like we even talked earlier in the episode about how they had planned for a character to be gay and they just didn't have time to do it. Well, maybe they can keep Snap around for a couple of seasons and they can do all sorts of things with his character, even if they can't do it in season two. Yeah, that's why I'm personally, I'm very intrigued by the casting of Ian Gomez because he, at least in what I've seen of him, he kind of tends to play like a lovable doofus type character. Um, Like I really loved him on Cougar Town. Uh, He kind of plays like, this dopey guy, Andy, who his wife is like this very kind of shrewd, witty woman. So they like they have this really funny dynamic. Um, so I'm hoping that we get a little bit of the humor there. I think that'd be really funny. But I'm also really intrigued to see how he could potentially handle maybe playing like a more intense character. Because, I mean, it basically says he has a no-holds-barred approach and is, like, brutally honest, apparently, which Mm -hmm. is good. But I think that could – I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how it's in some ways might be different from Cat and maybe in some ways, like, pushes Kara differently than Cat did. So I'm excited about it. I mean, I love love Ian Gomez. I think he's a really funny actor. So I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. And I think that's a good point that Cat Cat Grant pushed Kara, you know, just as much as this description says that Snapper is going to push Kara. I mean, Cat was always pushing her to uh, pursue excellence and dig deeper and um, you know find a better way to do things or find a quicker way to do things. So Cat was no pushover. You know, she <laughs> she was pretty hard on Kara. So I, I will be intrigued to see how Snapper uh, differs from that relationship that Kara had with Kat to, to see what Snapper and Kara's dynamic will be in season two, uh, because it sounds like it could be a little different. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see <laughs> what road they go down with Snapper Kara, but there's lots of roads. There's lots of avenues. So, <laughs> so, so many streets you could hop on. And so, so many, so I, many. I hope that they pull so little bit from his crazy comic backstory. Like I, I'd, I'd like to see him be a, now that I know this, I'd like to see him be a little bit more than like Kara's tough boss. Like even if it's maybe down the line, we'll see. Him, maybe we see him like 
team up with Maxwell Lord or become like a villain or something like I don't know there's so much to him also we need snapping he obviously has to snap he has to snap um yeah that's very important (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think they'll they'll probably, and I'm just speculating, I don't know, I haven't read any scripts, but I'm sure that they will mention his Happy Harbor backstory, like at least where he's from. Uh, they'll probably mention that his nickname is Snap, you know, his nickname is Snapper. He probably will snap. There are some basic things about Snapper Car that I'm sure that they will put out there. Um, but, but like you guys, I, I would like to see them open up the character of Snapper Car, because this is the first time he will be seen in live action and they have so many opportunities to do so many great things with him. And, um, yeah, so I kind of got a little spoiled on Snapper Car after researching him because he is now a character that I would like to know more about because his history is so insane um, that it would be really fun to read his stories. Well, I think that's going to do it for our character spotlight on Snapper Car. We talked a lot about Snapper and his different variations uh, of the character. But if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, and even the DC movies, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed. Follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I'm weekend editor at The Mary Sue, which you can visit at themarysue.com. Basically, just follow me on Twitter for right now, I'm basically watching through Star Trek for the first time and live tweeting and also sometimes just caps locking, ranting and things. <laughs> <laughs> I get hangry. Track are you now? <laughs> I get hangry on the internet and I rant. Um, I am currently at the beginning of season six of Next Generation. So after wow. that, I have after that I have three more shows to watch. But I'm kind of trying. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm so cruising how, through how, it. I wonder, like, if, if how many episodes. If you put all of that together, somebody said it's that you've watched. <laughs> well, including if you include the original series and then you include all of the other shows that are existing, because some of them are longer than others. Like one show, I think, is only three seasons. Um, somebody said it's nine hundred hours of television. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> how, how long have you been working on this? Uh, not that long. I've only, well, I've, I started Next Generation <laughs> at like end of June and I've been watching, I've been watching, I try to watch like one episode a day at least on the weekends though that I blow through them like no other. <laughs> Carly is in it to win it. I am. Like, yeah, for real. I have a tiger, Carly. <laughs> you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I haven't really uh, taken a deep dive into Star Trek because I'm like, oh, overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. It's like that in Doctor Who. I'm like, that looks great. I think yeah. I would be into that, but I'm overwhelmed. But it sounds it's like... It's a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a lot. Well, yeah. the thing that's nice about Star Trek is like, I mean, there's, there are a lot of TV shows and movies and stuff, but yeah, I'll, it's of varying lengths. Like the original series is only three seasons because it you know, unfortunately got canceled like before it's time, but yeah, like next generation is like seven seasons. So, oh my God. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I did not, I did not quite understand the magnitude of this, but I'm in it now and I am invested. So it's happening. Well, we, we believe in you. I think you can do <laughs> it. <laughs> We're excited. I'll keep following you on Twitter, <laughs> seeing how you're doing. <laughs> I, I won't know anything that you're tweeting, but I, I will think it's awesome. It's actually been really fun, though. It's it. it's fun because people that are have been longtime fans are like, it's really fun to see somebody who's never watched these episodes talk about them, like, you know, and like enjoy it for the first time. I'm like, this must be what 
what it feels like when someone watches one of my favorite shows yeah. for the first time. So it's kind of, it's, it's just exciting. It's exciting because I think I've said it before, but I think the thing that's nice is it basically proves that you're, it's never too late for anybody to become a fan of something. Oh, like absolutely. no matter how long it's been out there, you can, you know, you could become a fan of something today and no one can doubt your, your credentials. I think this episode of Supergirl Radio proves that we have just become fans of Snapper Car. And For sure. we didn't know anything about yes, Snapper Car exactly. before it. So um, I think that is a good lesson, uh, a good takeaway, that you can, you can always start uh, discovering new things and learning new things. And that is a good uh, practice that we, we should all do. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can find my writing on Buddy TV, where I'm currently uh, recapping Pretty Little Liars. And some of my con coverage will be uh, popping up over the summer and into the fall, so you want to check that out. I'm also one of the co-hosts of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, so you should give that a listen. Pretty Little Liars is another thing that people can discover and uh, fall in love with and enjoy um, it's so. very true. I mean, it's it's almost over, but there's still time. It's only seven seasons. You could still it's not nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it if Carly can do it. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Jump on Pretty Little Liars and talk to me about it. There you <laughs> go on Twitter. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane, and I'm Morgan Glennon. And since we didn't do it at all during this episode, I think we should end this podcast episode with some snaps for Snapper. 